Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Matthew, we're in the house. How are you, brother? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Actually, okay, admit it. Tell them the truth. Actually, I'm sick. I'm, I'm sick, sick as a dog. Too. I'm sick. Nobody should be around us. That's No. It's really smart. Another smart thing about Gary Barkalo. Yes. He's, he's not in there. Yes. He's, he's, he's not going to get sick from us. No. <laughs> Gary, welcome to Sin 315. I'm glad you're there. Yeah. Thank you so much. And it depends on how you define sick when you talk about me. But physically, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I just got through a nasty two-week kind of flu thing. So I'm very impressed. Here we are together. You two yeah. have shown up. That's yep, amazing. Yep. That's we right. are here. And I, I got to tell you, I've told Matt and some of my other friends a little bit about Noble Heart, a little about the Colorado Rocky Mountain get together, and you and Sam. Maybe the funnest yeah. thing the, uh, being up there, Matt, was Sam and Gary kind of giving it to each other a little bit, like only really good friends can do, and the rest of us to be able to watch it. That was fun. It was good, good friends. My curiosity was piqued when you said you were dragging a mattress up. Up a mountain. So no, that was Gary and Sam that did that. We have that actually recorded. <laughs> that was not me. <laughs> I said I was you, and then we were being recorded at midnight, dragging that box springs up to the rappelling peak. <laughs> this camp, I do want to talk a little bit about that, Gary, because that's where I met you, and it really, it nudged, it bumped the trajectory of my life. Mm -hmm. We've all had moments like that, moments in time that something like that happens. And I was making some big decisions and knew I needed to be better equipped for this next season that I'm walking into. But the major theme of those few days up there in a kind of cold paradise was, sure, Mark Matthews, that sounds like a great idea. Gary, you I don't think I got your uh, impression. You guys were in a room in a small group. There's like three of you. And Mark Matthews, my good friend, decided to barricade your door and put a grizzly bear skin over the, <laughs> the barricade so that when you opened your door, you would see a grizzly bear or a brown bear, whatever kind of bear it was, staring at you. Wow. It was the head of this bear <laughs> looking at us. And I thought, I think we're in junior high school. <laughs> I've never seen men do this at this retreat before. I thought, oh, they're from Southern California and they've worked with youth. This makes oh, sense yeah. to me. So the depth of your maturity really amazed me in light of the things that you did. <laughs> yeah, the depth and giddiness of Mark Matthews, who's we got to get on the show because people thought I did that stuff. <laughs> I'm just going, yeah, sure, Mark. But it really was deep, deep, deep for him and for me and at under 30 degrees up on that mountain watching shooting stars go by and being connected to the father's mm. voice in a way that i hadn't been in a long time and he gently told me yeah kevin it's been a long time so mm. thank you for that experience Sounds i think wonderful. everybody should go except for a few of my friends that are even more embarrassing than mark matthews well, I, I do want to say, I remember a friend saying to me just a couple months ago, he said, retreats, when you get away from all of your life, those are catalytic events. Those are times when something becomes started, becomes birth, or something comes back to the surface, and we need those. But he said, church teaches us consistency, mm. right? Every day, walking with God, being with believers, wrestling with the word. 
And there is something very powerful about getting away for a period of time from everything. So it is, let me just say, Matt, what's interesting is every time I say something about what Kevin has done or said, he keeps giving credit to someone else mm -hmm. rather than himself. Have you noticed yes, that? Yes, I have, yeah. He's training me in that. Don't they say that plagiarism is the sincerest form of flattery? Yeah. I think that's what I heard. Well, it doesn't feel like plagiarism. It feels like moving the blame. That's what it feels like. <laughs> yes. Maybe a little bit. Gary, I have admitted to being a fanboy of Gary Barkalow ever since I read your book twice and listened to it four times. It's called It's Your Call, and you wrote it a while back. And I just had to keep digging into it because it was real meat and it was pertinent to my life and what I was trying to seek God in. And also I needed to really chew on it. It's one of those books. And I'm giving copies to a few of the guys that I mentor and I just care about and I think would understand it. But you do a lot of stuff. This book, and we're going to talk about it a little bit about calling but also you do a podcast with Sam Williamson, who's been on the show, Alert and Oriented, right? Mm -hmm. um, you've got this noble heart community that I'd like you to talk about, which includes online courses and other things as well. Can you talk about first noble heart and just where that came from, how it came about, what your intentions for it are? To say it in a sentence, we say that the noble heart exists to help people realize the life that God has given them that brings life to others. And the reason we say it that way is, first of all, the life that we are living has been given to us by God. Now, it doesn't mean we're living purely, accurately, completely the life that God intends us to live, but nonetheless, the life we have has been given to us by God. And to find this life is something we realize. God reveals it to us through scripture, through others, through situations to say, no, this is the real you. This is what I've given you to offer to others. And then, of course, that is the last part of the sentence that brings life to others. Yeah. That, yeah. you know, so many people we talk to about this idea of a sense of personal calling in their life as a believer. Many times they take this back to what would be the most fulfilling life I could live? What would make me happy? What would make people admire me? I'd be their inspiration versus, no, the life God has given you. This God-given effect he has created you to have is to give life to others. That's the end result. Mm. Besides, obviously, walking intimately with God. But here on earth, it's to give life to others. It's not about your life. It's about giving life to others. So that's really what the noble heart is all about. So everything we do, from retreats to articles and blogs to videos to courses, is to help people realize the life God has given them that brings life to others. It's funny because words are important. And so when you say somebody is so gifted, you're talking about that person. But quite frankly, God gives us gifts and makes us gifts to other people. That's the way I look at it. That's the purpose of it. You know, we've been doing this podcast going on a couple of years now, something like that. And really what I drive home as much as I possibly can is you are certainly fearfully made, but you're also wonderfully made. So embrace it, understand it. And then when we're sharing Jesus with others, do it exactly like he has built you to do it because that's number one, how you'll be, 
successful and fulfilled by it because you're doing you, you're not doing somebody else, but also because you're wonderful, you're incredible, you're this idea that a holy God dreamed up. So embrace it and go after it. See, I believe that a person's calling, we're getting more into defining it now, is to let the world around them, the world that they touch, experience the weightiness, the splendor, the brilliance of their true life, who they truly are. It's the same thing. The world needs to experience your being alive. It really is the same thing. If we go back to evangelism for a second, right? Sharing Jesus with others. I find where it's easy and it feels without pressure on me is where I'm talking to somebody and what I want to go after is who they truly are, who God has made them in all of their brilliance, all of their splendor, the weightiness, the contribution of their life. And so we talk about that. What is that? What do you think that might be? And as you get into the story, you see things like, oh, there, it popped up there. Because there is not a person in the world that doesn't want to know more about who they truly are and what they've designed, they've been designed, whether they bring, they think it's their own design or not, but they most powerfully bring to others. There is an easy way. And then when they start to realize, I have nothing to do with what you're seeing in my life. Anyway, it's just an easy door into sharing Christ really with someone is. when you're going after what is good in them, not going after what is wrong in them. I don't even know if this verse was in your book, but I was reading Ephesians 1.18. And it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And there is so much of your book in that verse. Talk about it. It's such a key verse, opening our eyes to see this inheritance, what he has put into our life, that not only we give to those who are with now, but to come. It really is just the revelation of God. We don't have a calling once we come to Christ. If, in truth, our calling is the God-given brilliance, beauty, strength, effectiveness of our life. We have it at our birth because we're image bearers. Now, before we come to Christ and the work of Christ in our life, yes, it's tainted, corrupted, self-centered, darkened, hidden. That's very true. But once we come to Christ, now it becomes the bringing to the surface, making pure, making righteous, making beautiful this God-given effect of our life. And it takes the opening of our eyes, the revelation of God. And, and so we do a lot of our work saying, let's go back through your story. We will give a person 50 minutes to tell their story uninterrupted hmm. from birth to the present moment what they've loved, what has been hard. Tell us about your parents or geography. Tell us your history. Just tell us everything. And so in doing that, we will look for those moments when they did something and they loved it. As insignificant as they may think it is, like some boy that talks about building model cars when he was little, if his eyes light up, his countenance changes, we take note of that. Something of who he truly was was coming out in that and so on. Even looking for the wounds, the things that will bring a person to tears or becoming very stoic, you find that those things came very specifically about what's truest about them, trying to shut that down. So God will reveal things if we have the eyes to see how he's been showing us little by little what he has written on our heart, because it's truly who we are. 
it is, it's like I say, your call, your calling is a close call. It's right there in your heart, written there. It reminds me of something that a good friend of ours, Melinda Botticelli, said on a recent show. She was not walking with the Lord. She was in a, a place doing stuff that just shouted at her that it was all wrong. And she kept saying to herself out loud, her friends right next to her, this isn't me. This isn't me. Mm -hmm. This isn't me. And that's the thing when we're either far from God because we've never been close to him or we've stumbled away from him and gone out on our own way. And our heart just shouts, this isn't me. So she told her boyfriend he had to move out. And he goes, so you're going to be one of those Christian girls? And she, and it was like, yeah, because this is me. This is me. This Who is I me. am. Yeah. That's so good. It's really, really good. So this, if, I've, if I can say it back to you the way that I understand it, and you can tell me if I'm catching on to it. Calling doesn't mean necessarily that I'm going to Kenya or that I'm going to be the senior pastor, a church planter, or that I'm going to be um, a carpenter. You may do all of those things, but that's a task and that's what you're doing. It might be how you're expressing, but calling is you being able to discover who you are, how you're made, how he's designed you, and then just living that, embracing it and living it and continuing to grow and understand it. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yes. So the things that you named that most of us are aware of, we, would, we might call callings. Those are not callings. Those are assignments. There we go. To which we take our calling. So you could add to that list a counselor, a prayer warrior, I, whatever you, you just added those lists, those are assignments where God says, I need you to bring the calling of your life. Again, you remember, I'm defining the calling as the God-given effect of your life. I need you to bring it to that. And that's why, for instance, you can see three different pastors, and they are all, they would say, called to be a pastor, and yet they are all very different in what they bring to you. Now, I don't mean different in what they're in, in, they are bringing the word to you, but they bring it differently. Their effect on your life is different mm. because they all have a different calling, but they may all have the same assignment as mm. it appears. So this may help. There is a difference between calling and competency. And in our country, with all of our accessibility to education and training and coaching and mentoring, we can develop many, many areas of competency. And when you're really good at something, people applaud it because they want it. Oh, you're so good at that. Would you do that here? Would you do it more? Would you do it full time? And then we start to mistakenly take the applause, the pat on the back, the invitation as, oh, that must be my calling. That's what they're saying. Hmm. It just may be a competency. You're just good at that. You have learned how to do that well. There is a difference because then the question becomes, if you no longer had to do that, you didn't have to do it. No one was expecting you to do it. Would you do that? <laughs> Is this what you wake up in the morning thinking about? Like, I want to solve that problem. I want to make that go away. I want to create this. I want to see this work better. Um, now you're touching on the deepest part of your heart and what has been placed there by God as far as your design. Mm. So it's really important, I think, especially in the midst of so many gifting assessments, personality assessments, work style yes. assessments. Often those point out more of what we have been given and trained in and possibly applauded over than who we truly are. Yeah. 
You just have to go to your heart with the eyes of God, the, the voice of God. You have to go to your heart and see what's there. That's going to be, those things can help you get there, but you can't stop with those. You have to go deeper. Yeah. Amen. And I want to dig That's deeper. So it's one of those things. And so many things in this walk are simple, but they're not easy. So I want to dig into that, but I want to share something that you brought to light from Oswald Chambers. I sent this to my son this morning after I saw it. Soak continually in the one great truth of which you have had a vision. Take it to bed with you. Sleep with it. Rise up in the morning with it. Continually bring your imagination into captivity to it. And slowly and surely as the months and the years go by, God will make you one of his specialists in that particular truth. And my son has a nonprofit to help churches plant teen centers in hard areas to go reach the youth where they're at. So he got it. That is one of the most profound quotes I've ever read. And it's in the book. You know, Chambers has had a profound effect on my life. But that one in particular, because I think what it speaks to is, he says, God will give you a vision. If you read him in other things, he talks about this vision, this particular truth. He also refers to it as that he puts on your heart that you can't escape. And honestly, you go to bed thinking about it. You wake up thinking about it. It's You can't escape it, and nor do you want to, okay? I'm not talking about the things you wish you would stop thinking about because it's taking your life out. But there is something that God puts on every one of our hearts. And so I'll give you some examples. There are some people that they walk into a situation. It's a meeting. It's an organization. It's a company. It's a church. And they can see the things that aren't flowing well. Yeah, they come talk to me all the and, time about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's different motives for that. We haven't gotten into that yet. Yeah. But they see it. So humility and kindness are key to all of this. And they see it, and they can't help but see it. And they go home, and they can't help but think about it. If, if they're walking with God in humility and kindness, they're thinking, how can I help to see this different? Mm. Not why do they let this happen? Now, they may be bugged by that internally, but nonetheless, that's kind of how they see, how they perceive. That's their radar. And they can't get away from it. Certain people, if, if they're around someone who is discouraged, they can pick them out in a room immediately. Mm. They know who that person is. They can feel it before the person speaks. And they will go to that person and just start talking to them. And something changes in that person. And if you ask them, if you notice it and you ask them, wow, what did you say to him or to her? They'll say, I don't know. I just went over to see how they were doing. We were just talking. It's just something in them yeah. that affects other people. And that is a calling. So we have to be aware of that. And so what is that thing that we see, we perceive, we hear, we feel all the time? We can't get away from it. And to be able to say, all right, God, is this the particular vision or truth you have given me that you want me to bring to the world? You want me to hone it. And I love the example you gave because part of honing this is learning how to go to people. Paul says, I pray that you'd walk in a manner worthy of your calling mm. in all humility, patience, and kindness. And part mm. of the power of bringing the effect of our life to others is to relate to them in that way. Humility. Not, I know you should know. It needs to be kindness. kindness. You speak kindly, knowing every man's in a battle, every woman. And then with patience, knowing I'm not changing instantaneously, nor will them. Yeah. 
I don't learn things right away, nor will they. I think that's so important. That's so good. Yeah, because I think, you know, what many of us feel is if you see a need, if you say a need, then you feel the obligation to meet the need. Evidently, this is my calling. This is, I have to do this now. But in reality, we are aware of way too many needs, actually. <laughs> There's been plenty of conversation about that with our exposure to media. Yeah. But we can't meet all those needs. Now, we can pray for all those needs, but we can't meet all those needs. But some of those needs, as you were saying, and as I wrote, out of all those needs, some are burdens, the things that we really can't in time walk away from. Most of the needs we're aware of, we forget after a period of time. Another need comes in and kind of knocks it out of our memory. But there are some burdens that we just don't forget. And then out of those burdens, there are a few that are concerns. And those concerns go to the point of someone has to do something about this. I can't let it go. But then when those few burdens that we feel, we find the one thing that becomes a cause for us. It goes from someone has got to do something about this to I have got to do something about this. I'll join anyone else in doing this or I'll do it by myself, Mm -hmm. but I've got to do something about this. And now you're touching on that thing in your heart that makes you come alive, the thing you can't walk away from, the God-given effect or impact of your life. Mm. One of the things that you talked about, and I don't know if you've completed the understanding of why it's so hard, what gets in the way, what process do we do? What steps do we take so that we understand and engage in this? This is a regular guy. Yeah. So first of all, I would say to that man you were putting out there for us is first of all, I'd want him to know there definitely is a calling on your life. You do have a calling. Whether you feel like I have no idea what it is, you don't know my life, I've disqualified myself from having a calling. I want to say, no, you do have a calling. You do bear the image of God. And God is bringing to the surface and putting light on this life that he has given you, where you are most alive and this effect you've been given. So one, you do have a calling, but you need to understand that after you came to Christ, after you came to a believing faith in Jesus Christ, knowing that he died for you, sacrificed himself for all of your sins. He's come back to life and brought you back to life with him. You need to understand the battle over your heart, your soul, your life was not over. You are There still is a battle over your life. Because like in Isaiah, when Jesus said, this is why I've come, yeah. to set the captive free, to, to heal the brokenhearted, he then said, because of that, I've come to make you an oak of righteousness, a display of God's splendor or his mm. glory. Wow. So now the battle is to stop you, prevent you from becoming a display of his glory. So the battle rages on. And if you're feeling like I've crossed the line, by the way, Romans says that the the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. He said, not you, not me. He said that. So you will never lose your calling. So you have an enemy that's doing everything he can to keep you away from discovering, developing, and deploying your calling. So you're not in this by yourself and not getting it or finding you're the one exception to this idea of having a personal calling when you came to Christ. You have an enemy and he is working hard against you. And in fact, I don't know if you're going there, but I talk about the pattern that I've seen in the assault against a man or woman's heart when it comes to understanding their calling. There seems to be four waves that come against a believer in discovering their calling. 
And the first wave is this idea of distancing that man or woman from their heart. Because if it's written on your heart where it is, then of course the enemy wants to keep you away from your heart. So you can't read it, you can't hear it, you can't understand it. And he does that through wounding and all sorts of things in your life. And if that doesn't work, then he tries to get you to diminish it. Like, oh, it's really nothing. I don't see that well, hear that well, perceive that well. I can't help people that much. He gets you to diminish it by his accusations. And if that doesn't work, then he says, I'm going to get you to go out there and offer the beauty, the weightiness, the strength of your life. And I'm going to so arrange this and choreograph this that you will be torn down because of it. You'll be criticized, rejected to the point where you'll say, I will never do that offer again. And then, of course, the final one he plays, if none of that works, he plays the disqualification card of, I've seen your life. I've known what you've done. I know what you're thinking. What makes you think you have a place in the kingdom of God? And we just back off. And the only way you fight that is with scripture. So I said a whole lot to your question, but... Yeah, and that was where I was going with it. And I think one of the things that, that we touched on a little bit, and it's in your book. And basically, it's that whole thing that we've been taught about the desires of our heart being wicked and staying away from them. And quite frankly, one of the most important verses that has impacted my life, because I because I got it. There was a revelation. I walked it out. And it's in Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I, that changed my life forever. And it exploded everything. It changed everything. Like you say so clearly in the book, we've been taught for so long to stay away from the desires of our heart, to disregard that. And I think that is such an important part of this breakthrough. Listen to the desires of your heart. And some of them are bad. Some of them are. They're dumb and selfish and bad. But the Holy Spirit can shine some light on that and help you out with that. But once you get into your heart and how he made you, then you can start seeing these breakthroughs. The desires can awaken, as you put it. Yeah, and you're right. The church in general has been shy of talking about desire because for so many years, the church felt like it's major strategy is to keep people away from sin right you know and especially believers like that don't sin and of course the genesis of all sin is evil desire so let's just stay away from desire everything getting off close to buddhism at this point when you start doing that Mm. but scripture does talk about evil desires desires of the flesh and it talks about the desires of the spirit as well and we have been coming back to this idea of let's really look at this because the truth is, you can't love God without desire. God talks about lip service. Mm. He says, don't, don't. You need to love me from your heart, as we see this in so many Psalms. Their hearts are far from me, right? Right. That's exactly what you're saying. And even Paul, he says, listen, I'm, I pray, another way he said, I pray that you would walk in a manner worthy of your calling, that God would fulfill your every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. So Paul is saying, look, he didn't say, so I pray that you would fulfill the calling of evangelism or teaching or pastoring or whatever those that list is that we would come up with. He said, your every desire for goodness. God has given you something, a desire, a particular desire for goodness. And I pray that God would fulfill that. He would make it happen. So to go after as a believer, what is the goodness that I so desire to have happen? It's very unique to me. It's a thing I can't walk away from. Going back to Chambers, right? I go to bed with it at night. I wake up with it in the morning. I eat with it. I can't escape it. Right, because it's you. 
it's your calling and bring it in the place you're at. Yeah. And, and let me just say one more thing. I see too many people go, if I could get to such and such a place, a position, an organization, whatever it is, then I could walk out my calling. I'm thinking, no, God's ordained where you're at. You bring it there. And when God says, now I need it somewhere else, he'll take you somewhere else. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men over the years doing this and listening to their story and listening to their heart. And I've had so, so many of those hundreds and hundreds of men say to me, I hate my job. I hate my work. I don't like where I'm at. And for some, it's very legitimate. I'll ask them, if you stay in there 30 more days, do you feel like you will almost be suicidal? And some will say, yes. And I'll say, okay, we need to talk about that. You need to have a change of environment soon. But most will say, oh, no, no, I just don't like what I'm doing. And what's fascinating is a lot of those men, once they start to realize what they love to bring to others, and they start to do that at work, mm-hmm. they're not doing their job, but bringing that as well in their job, in their work with people, they start to go, I'm really enjoying my job now. I know why God has me here. Mm-hmm. I can do this. And all that's changed is that they know what God has given them to bring to others, and they're starting to bring it whether it's speaking encouragement or speaking clarification or whatever that is, yeah, it changes everything. You've done this. You yourself have done this. But this has probably been birthed out of you understanding yourself. And you've had some great jobs and some hard jobs. And you're a pretty big deal. And then you take leaps of faith and steps of faith that must have been very challenging. Yeah, yeah. And going back to something you said earlier, the thing about it is, what you are made to do, this God-given effect of your life, this God-given compelling, you can't help but, hmm. to live and to walk and to offer in that is the most fulfilling thing in life. But I don't want to say, I don't want to insinuate that that makes life really easy <laughs> and good, because there is much suffering as well mm-hmm. in Offering what God has given you to offer to other mm-hmm. people, to walk in your place in the kingdom that God has made for you. And so not only do we have an enemy, which is the world, the flesh, and the devil, that is fighting against it, there will be suffering because of that. But there is also training that has to take place that only happens through suffering. Yeah, that's for yeah. sure. And there's only certain things we can understand and believe God in when we've gone through it. Absolutely. Or, or as we read, right, it's, we are to comfort others with the comfort yeah. that God has comforted us. And so there is unbelievable joy and fulfillment. And there is suffering as well. There are both in that. How can people connect with you, reach out, get resources so that they can get on this incredible adventure? First of all, they can email me personally. And I'm simply gary at thenobleheart.com. Um, they can go to thenobleheart.com as far as the website. To get into the Noble Heart community, which you brought up earlier, I would be glad to let them in. They just email me if that's what you want to get in. And this is a community of men and women who have gone through the calling material, the hearing God material that Sam speaks on and has written on. And it's just kind of a closed community. It's kind of a Facebook, but a closed one. It's a whole different platform. And in fact, it's on that platform where we have now the calling course that you can take. If you'd prefer to do it online versus in person, 
Mm-hmm. And there's also the Hearing God Conference as well. That's online there. So I'd say those are the best ways. You can now, for instance, as you're talking about, I would say to people, reading the book, I hope, is extremely helpful. And I know you said you've read it twice and listened to me speak it four times, which I need to send you a trophy or something. For that. <laughs> I've gone through that before. But you need to go through it, but you also need to actually work through it as you have been doing. And that's a good thing about the course. You get the book. Um, I'm speaking and on these different topics, and then it's actually doing the exercises. And then it's actually at the end, if the person has gone through the course, has done everything, they've read the book, they've listened to all five sessions, and they've done every exercise I've given them, and they send those exercises to me, then uh, Sam and I will give them a one-hour personal feedback time where we will go through everything we're seeing. We're looking for patterns. And so we speak back to this is what we think from what we're seeing is the glory of your life, the, the weightiness, the beauty, the splendor of your life. And this is what we think is coming up against it now. That, I think, is the most powerful thing. And then, of course, the most powerful thing is a one-on-one in-person retreat, which we don't have scheduled yet at this point. Yeah. One last thing, and I think it's when Sam and I really connected when we were talking on his episode. What's God telling you personally right now? About my life? Yeah. I felt a bit of a pause with God kind of God hitting the pause button saying, I want you to slow down. I want you to rethink your life. You've created motion in your life and other people have helped you do that. But I want you to stop and I want you to evaluate what is for you now and what is not for you now. What was for the past, but it's carried into the present. And what do you need to create to bring into the future? So I am rethinking how I can best help people understand the life that God has given them that brings life to others. For instance, Sam and I just did a conference on the importance of deep biblical friendship because we run into people all the time who really have no real friendships. They have acquaintances. They call them friendships. It's not what the Bible describes, and it's not what they most deeply need, what they need and the other person needs. So we've just completed, we did a conference, we filmed it, we're going to complete a course to help people understand this is non-negotiable. We realized it was missing in what we were teaching. The other thing that I'm excited about that I'm just probably a few weeks away from completing is my wife gave me an idea several years ago, said, what if you produced a film series called Legends of the Call? Obviously, played off the old title of that movie, Legends of the Fall. And, but this yeah. is Legend- movie. and so it was the idea of why don't you interview some people who have truly affected the world? And they would tell you it wasn't up to them. God kept building their platform and affected more and more people. And just ask them, how did they first hear their call? What did they have to go through Whoa. to have the life they're having and the impact they had? What were the things that they learned that they want to tell younger men and women that they really need to know because they will encounter this. And so I just completed my first one that I did with Nikki Cruz. I don't know if you're familiar sure, with him. Sure, of course, absolutely. I crossed the switchblade. He does crusades all over the world. He happens to go to our church, so he was easy to get with. Now, he's 84 years old, which when you see him, you'll never guess he was 84. But for him to share his life in humility, I'm looking for somebody who owns a life that God has given them owns their place in the kingdom, knows it was purely a gift of God, and walks in humility. This is Nikki Cruz. 
And I just want to bring these to people. It'll just be free. Here, listen to this man's life. That's awesome. And I've got another one lined up after that as well. But I just do feel like God is saying, you need to develop some legacy pieces hmm. that will live beyond you. And therefore, the courses, therefore, these videos and so on. I love it. That's totally cool. I love it. If you've got a little bit of time, I'd like to pray for you and pray for the people that are going to be hearing this. Absolutely. Father, I'm really, really grateful for the people that you put into my life that I don't really deserve. I'm just grateful. It blows me away. Even though I've known Gary a short time, I feel your love for him. I share your love for him. And I just ask, Father, that you would just um, tune his hearing even more accurately to your voice. And that, Lord, you would just open up those doors that allow him to accomplish your purposes and to be fully alive in how you've made him and the gift that he is to the body of Christ and beyond, Lord. Because if those that are far from you, Lord, get this message about coming truly alive, it would change everything forever for them, forever. So Father, for those that are listening right now, I just ask that you would breathe on this message and help them, Father, come truly alive. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Yes. Amen. Amen.